Translating Arcadia tells the stories of people who belong elsewhere, and the pain that comes from being trapped here instead. Their contents may be upsetting or uncomfortable. You were born with your eyes closed, and when you opened them, the light confused you. Birth was like an eggshell cracking, dazzling splinters, fissures that covered the sky. Light so big, so strong, it roared in your ears, pierced your skin like glass. The splinters bled together, and it was too much. No one remembers being born, they told you, listing all the things you couldn't do. No one can remember that. Stop making up stories. Stop pretending. Stop lying. Stop. And they're right. Humans can't remember. But you do. They put you together with other larvae. Everyone always yelling, grabbing the constant me, me, me demands. It scratched at you, and the sharpness of their voices slipped under your fingernails. There were toys. Plastic. Colors bright and without depth. Blue. Green. Yellow. Red. Flat. No shading. You wrapped your hands around them, held them up to the orange light trying to make them be something else, trying to screw your eyes up so you could see them like the others did. The toys felt slick, like the smell when someone threw up their juice. There was one you liked, a shape, red. It had a ridge of plastic in the middle that you could scrape your fingers against. You did it over and over, learning the way the feeling changed while the color stayed. Red. The ridge didn't feel red. You couldn't understand the others. The way they held the things, hit them together, built towers only to knock them down. You wanted to show them the way the shape felt. The way red felt. Feel the way the color would cover you like a blanket. Keep you warm and safe. You didn't understand then. That never could have happened. Because you weren't really one of them. Because you had a language which they could never learn. The first word you used, when you understood that words were sounds that produced results, was no. They laughed about that. No the way it was always a response, the way it was always an answer. Do you want? No. Are you feeling? No. Shall we go? No. They thought you didn't understand, that you were playing, or maybe that you didn't know what you wanted anyway, because you were a larva, still bare and naked to the world. In your head, 
You always had a language, and it was always right. The sound, the taste, the meaning, the shape of meaning unfolded behind your eyes. You weren't naked. You could drape understanding around your shoulders, rub it between your fingers like a blanket. Nothing overwhelmed you there. Nothing needed sound that were always incomplete. You knew what their words meant when they spoke to you. The words themselves and the tones they used. The purple bruise of expectation, tangled red of desire. The way their anger felt cold when you held it up, trying to make it into something else. But those words the way they shaped the world and the meanings they forced onto things without meanings. They did not belong to you. You could hear. You could always hear. And you watched what the words they used did. To people. The flavors of their faces. But yours was another world. Just out of reach. Just at the edge of perception soft as spider webs or butterfly wings against your cheek. A soft, dark language, gentle and fluid, slipping around you like a lake deep underground, one they could never hear, never taste or sense. So you discovered, no, staccato and final, and for a while, it sufficed. But you got older. No, no longer filled the gaps. In their minds, you became a pupa, your skin hardening, becoming more distinct. Things could be expected of you. They could see how your eyes widened when they spoke, that you heard, understood. But they could never see it didn't belong to you. That your comprehension was not submission. But the terrible light in those words burned your tongue. And they could not perceive meaning in the ink-black lake. The crystal stars inside a cave of stone. They needed sounds, the ungainly rendering of your understanding into clumsy syllables. They required your capitulation to their rules of order of being, to slot you into a category, to define the demands they placed on you. Stop being so stubborn, they said, listing the times they tried to teach you. You've got nothing to be scared of. It's not like you're being abused or something. Just use your words. Just say something. Just talk. Just... When you begin to speak... It almost became easier. You could request, prefer. You could tell them what you understood, what you remembered. Your vocabulary of caves and wings and feathers could be worked into theirs with the sharp corners and rigid letters. You could give them meaning. But their words never fit correctly with the thoughts. You used them. You could find none that were better. So they were the right ones, the ones they used.
sight, sound, color, hot, cold, bright, moonlight, green grass and rotting wood, and the smell of forgotten places. Those were the sounds they used, and they were the ones they claimed to understand, the ones they claimed defined their existence. So you tried to define it for yourself as much as them, to put it down on paper in those same austere lines. But yours always bled like rain falling on the page. When you put the words together, line the sounds up with the stalactites like milky teeth that you could feel inside your mind. They stared. They blinked. Confused. They asked for more words, as if more said in their jumbled sounds would make it clear to them. The other pupae. They laughed. It rubbed at you, feeling good at first. Attention, response, the way they listened and answered. But they didn't stop. They didn't see you doing what they were. They had asked. And the places they rubbed turned angry, red. They bled and you felt it. Ripples in the lake of your mind, in that underhill cavern. So you tried again, using more sounds, making them match with what everyone wanted, the ways they saw, the things they felt. But it was still wrong. The ear-splitting colors they'd given you broke the fragile wings you'd known, and nothing made sense in it all anymore. Why do you always talk like that? They said, listing all the ways you'd disappointed them. Do you really need attention that badly? You're too old to pretend. You need to start taking responsibility for your own mistakes, not making excuses. We don't have time for games like this now. That was when you learned that words, the ugly sounds they forced onto their lives, weren't an answer, nor an end. Not like they thought they were. They weren't lines in the sand demarking boundaries. Edges. They tried to use words to build, to create something that would never change. But it was a lie. It was words, and more words would knock the tower down. You learned that speaking, writing, that arbitrary assignments of concept to signifier, it was a means, a journey. At best, it was a tool, and like any tool, only as good as the user. You learned that there were worlds past words. Worlds where words were not bricks and boards, cemented and nailed down. There were worlds past the way they ascribed meaning to sound. You learned that your own language, the one found in the dark places, in the brush of spiderwebs, the one written in water-blood ink, could communicate to those who listened to silence. That those listeners existed on the lake of eternal night, between the columns of creamy stone, using a language with laws that built like swaying grass. And you learned the people's name. You learned about fairy, 
and you realize what they'd hidden from you and from themselves. You realized why your birth was from a broken egg sky into a world that overpowered you with its terrible, screaming brightness. When fairies take a baby from its human parents to fill a bargain, to pay a debt, or simply because they admire golden curls and blue eyes, they leave one of their own in its place. The thing left is an outcast from fairy, perhaps for crimes or misdeeds, or simply banished in one of King Oberon's fits of pique. Tucked carefully among the child's blankets, wrapped like a present, it waits, with no memory of its life under the hill. At first, the changeling seems human enough. They look exactly like the baby they replaced, all smiles and dimples. The change is gradual. Golden curls become black mats, or turn white as straw, thin as feathers. Their smiles shrink and bend, and tears come easier than laughter. They cannot be soothed. Parents may walk the floor for days, nights without end. Still, their happy child sobs. It's not the parents' fault. It's just how fairy children are. There are ways to reveal the changeling, the fairy in the skin of a child. Iron, cold applied to the face. Iron, hot applied to the feet. Running water. Coffee brewed in an eggshell. But they must be done early, before it learns to form its thoughts into words. And parents must know that something is wrong. No one had seen you. An exhausted mother and father slept, left the crib unguarded. And you were slipped in with your eyes wide and your ears open. Like speaking, discovering what you were made things easier for a while. You could know the world made for their ears must be loud, made for their eyes must be bright, that they lacked the sense, the subtlety, to taste the fading peach pink of a sunrise, to see the crystals inside the stone without breaking it open. Their laughter could slide off of you like water. Yours could spear them like a pin. But you still wore human skin. Still progressed from pupa to adult. You still had to use their words. Not the language your people chose. Nor the way they wrote it in the taste of water on silver. Oberon remained angry and your memories from under the hill had not returned. The child's body you had inhabited had grown old. Adulthood trapped you as sure as iron chains. You need to be more mature, they said, listing the obligations you did not fulfill. You're not a teenager anymore. No one's going to take you seriously dressed like that. Talking like that. Looking like that. Did you really think you'd get away with it forever? Did you think? 
but what you think is that this world was not made to house a changeling, especially not one that childhood left behind. The world alight with bells and alarms, echoing in neon and rendered plastic, was not made for thoughts that sang in smoke-muted colors. Maybe you could have belonged once, you who were exiled, you who were left in place of the one they really wanted. Maybe you could have learned a better way to shut your eyes, stop your ears with your hands, place words around experience without wincing where they gapped. Maybe you could have learned to be blind. But that's just not how fairy children are. And you think now, there's a reason the stories never tell what happened to changelings when they grow up. This story, Too Bright, Too Loud, was performed by Rue. Translating Arcadia is written, directed, and edited by Lisa Guente. Its music is composed and performed by Michael Freitag. More information about the stories and their performers can be found at translatingarcadia.lawofnames.com. Translating Arcadia is a production of Law of Names Media.